You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. So I'm seeing him at the top of the scale as a warrior for Christ, (laughs) and here I am. You know, I'm as quiet and peaceful and content. I am the exact opposite of where he is. So in my mind, I was trying to reconcile this. And when he began to speak, I realized he's running in a different lane, but he's got the same God that I have. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I'm Taylor, and today it's going to be a special episode. It's always unscripted, but this one's going to be even more unscripted. I'm joined with three of the best to have an unscripted conversation with. Let's start with Bob Moss, Pastor of Spiritual Formation. Bob, thanks for being here. Well, I'm very happy to be invited to attend and participate. Absolutely. <laughs> Next is Lead Pastor Jose Aroa. Jose, thanks for being here. Yep, always a pleasure. And the man who is celebrating his birthday yes. today. Please give it up. <laughs> I can't hear you, but for Ben Kiowski, worship I would, pastor. I would like to change my title to Pastor of Awesomeness. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's your day. So. Good, good birthday present. Today you are the Pastor of Awesomeness. I hereby yeah, declare. Run that up the pole to the overseer. See what yeah. they think. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay, well, already getting off track. Speaking of awesome. <laughs> yes, there we go. Perfect segue. Yesterday, Dave Eubank was the special guest, came in, shared so many cool stories and just insights on what God is teaching and doing through him. And so today I'd love to just kind of unpack a lot of it. And so we don't necessarily have to go in a certain order, but uh, I'd love just to get, first off, y'all's threes uh, take on what you thought and kind of maybe some of the initial uh, nuggets of wisdom, as you've called them, Bob, uh, that have stood out to each one of y'all. Well, I am looking forward to re-watching the videos because I was blessed, blessed, blessed. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very impressed with the, everything that happened from the worship to the uh, presentation by David and then his daughter at the end in her song was precious. Yeah. And one of the things that stood out to me was he has obviously spent most of his life in a completely different world than we do here in in old Wimberley. And I love that he calls Wimberley home and that they come back every year and we're able to catch a glimpse and, and, and learn from. But it's really important to remember he is living, as he said it, living, maybe that's the first one that we can tackle, living in his lane. Uh, he's running in a lane that God has, has, has empowered him to run. Uh, he, that's one of the things that he mentioned. And given that fact, we get a fresh perspective from someone that is living a sold out, surrendered life to Jesus in a very foreign place, place where most human beings uh, are not... Uh, at a place, not only in a, in, a, in, a, in a context of war recently in Syria and Iraq, but also talking with the generals and people of influence in these places. And so hearing him yesterday go through some of what God's been teaching him and, and allowing him to live through, my goodness, it is, it, is, it is so incredible to hear somebody so surrender to God and it challenges me. 
in my walk with the Lord, yeah. um, my following what God's called me to, to do today, today. Yeah. It's not just vocational. Do I have the title? Do I have the job? All of that stuff. But is it, am I living as a surrendered um, disciple of Jesus today because he's living in me and wants to wants me to be about his mission. Um, I left challenged um, by that. Hey, Amen. Yeah, I agree with that. It's always a challenge to really get any sort of update from the Free Burma Rangers, whether it's the email update or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, many of us, and if you haven't seen the documentary, definitely check out the documentary. Um, but, uh, you know, Dave and his family are an uh, excellent example of what it means to have an unrelenting faith. Mm-hmm. And for us, it's uh, it seems um, uh, foreign to us, but I can't help but think that his, his um, type of faith, his, um, as we would call reckless faith, is, is, is the common faith of the day of uh, the disciples. And when, um, when uh, the, the first church was planted and growing, I think it was a standard type of faith. And uh, so it is a challenge to me, like you said, a challenge to, um, you know, Dave um, and his family all together. They don't uh, shrink back from the call of God, even into a place where we call uh, dangerous and is empirically dangerous Absolutely. place to go. Yeah. Um, but it's a reminder um, uh, to me, I'm not going to project onto others, but sometimes our... Um, North American uh, Christianity gets too uh, focused on um, safety, mm-hmm. and that 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 comfort mm-hmm. um, somehow is the same as peace. Mm-hmm. Um, but but peace is found in what you said, mm-hmm. uh, Jose, in in, in a full on fellowship into the calling yeah. of of what God has called you into, mm-hmm. and they do not live in a safe and environment environment. <laughs> And that kind of points to the fact that God never promised us physical safety in his calling. And so it's something to think about and that we're, uh, we should be challenged by, and I am. And as I say about Dave, he is a, a true warrior prophet in our time. He is. So. Amen. Yeah, his message yesterday, a lot of it was raw and real as he kind of processed just and shared his emotions that he experienced, whether um, just in the normal living life, but a lot of it just even on the front lines of the battlefield uh, as he's encountering it. So one of the things he kind of touched on was just kind of how he processed through anger and hate and bitterness and just the ways in which those tried to seep into his uh, life. And I think about the times in my life where I feel those emotions compared to kind of the situations he's in. I'm like, hmm, yeah, no, that's (laughs) not exactly the same. I'm Uh, angry because my latte is done incorrectly. (laughs) Exactly. And, uh, but he, he talked about justice and revenge and uh, the component of love. So I don't know which one of y'all wants to speak first, but kind of what stood out to you when he in particular kind of uh, addressed the, the role that love plays when it comes to justice. Well, I remember seeing some of that in the documentary when I saw the documentary and it, uh, but he he expounded on it and gave a whole lot more of the backstory. And his friend, the Burmese video videographer that was his very dear friend, the, not just his friend, his whole family, and uh, he described how a drone had 
come in and killed him instantly. And the the feeling that he had uh, was was so um, uh, genuine, authentic, mm-hmm. the way he was describing it. And, and so he's describing this hatred that he has in his heart and this, you know, bitterness, anger. Um, and he's, he's not only had the experience of his close friend, but he's also had other experiences. And he's got this real negative mm-hmm. uh, feeling. Yeah. So God, he, he turns it over to God. He was, that, that was a wise thing on his part to do, but I don't think he was expecting the result that God gave him. And so he describes the vengeance that he felt in his heart, but he also was comparing it to the justice of God. And, and uh, then he... He prays, and God drops this thought into his heart about the balance of justice and vengeance is found in the love of Christ or the love of God. And that hit me like a ton of bricks because while the drama of the death of his close friend was so real, these are things thoughts and feelings I have to deal with every day in my own life, yeah. not nearly as dramatic as that, but mm-hmm. they're as real to me. And so I learned a lot from that, and it was very inspiring. Yeah, I think of justice and... Oftentimes we think of justice as something that we deserve, so when there is a righteous uh, anger that comes upon us. We're agreeing with what God's calling good and evil. I mean, if, if we are really saying that something has been done unjustly, uh, we want to be about what God says is good. And, and if something's bad, then you call that thing bad. And, and he kind of talked on that when, when he said, respect uh, mm-hmm. the person, not necessarily the action. But I think about <laughs> our sin and how we deserve death. I mean, at the heart of our Christian walk is this idea that we have sinned against God and therefore do not deserve grace or relationship with the Lord. But grace is an unmerited favor from God and his justice really means love. And so we have been reconciled by what Jesus has done for us on the cross, but it wasn't empty. It wasn't uh, easy. It cost Jesus blood in his life. And so it was through death that we can have that ability to, to, to love God. And so when I think of justice, you can't have true justice without the cross. And, you know, even when, when uh, Dave said this a couple of times, physical thing is one thing and, and the soul is another. And he prayed, for, I mean, he's, he's, he's in war. And so he's praying for people's souls and he's trying to reach people for Jesus. 
But there's also a living threat that is that, that, that he's having to deal with as he ministers to the people on the front lines, which is what he, his lane, right? What, what God has called him um, to do. And so the fact that Dave is living that reality in the front lines, in the midst of all of this unrighteousness and injustice, and he can call upon love that can only come from a loving God that gave his son to pay the price for our sins is, is incredible. I mean, that's when that raises my faith because I'm like, this, this is it. This is truth, period. This covers everybody everywhere, no matter what circumstance, culture, country, et cetera, et cetera. So it's pretty amazing. Amen. Yeah, the love that's found in, in God's justice is super perplexing, you know, because God... Um, God's justice is, in fact, mercy, um, which seems oxymoronic. But right. he's, he's required of himself through fulfilling his own covenant to his people by requiring the bloodshed um, for the forgiveness of sins and placing all of that onto Jesus. Yeah. Uh, his vengeance has already been poured out mm-hmm. onto the sin of the world, um, onto Jesus. And so that justice that payment for sin has already been paid. So he has required of himself mercy um, through, through the covenant that he made with himself. Yeah. And that is diametrically opposed to vengeance. And um, yeah, the love of God infiltrates justice and turns it into mercy. Mm-hmm. And so when I think of justice, I think that uh, we have to be careful not to conflate God's justice with our um, socio-political idea of what justice means right. uh, and, and what it is. Um, <laughs> and as we know, at the same time, we're not free from um, terrestrial circumstance for our actions. Mm-hmm. Um, the justice of God is his love and his mercy um, because his um, the payment for sin, the requirement for our Rebellion and our contravening of God has already been taken care of. And when we take it into that realm, we can rid ourselves of vengeance and replace it with God's justice, which is actually love. Yeah, and I think of God's call to, for us to love our enemies. Mm. That's where it's coming from. Yeah. Vengeance is mine. Love your enemies. <laughs> and remember, you were my enemy. <laughs> <laughs> That's and, right. And mm-hmm. Dave, Dave has such a powerful testimony because he's living amongst his enemy as uh, an individual, literally people shooting, the very people that he's trying to save. But also, he was born in the United States of America. He holds United States citizenship. In, uh, in that sphere, Americans, he's an enemy to, to, to many of these um, folks in, in the Middle East and hearing his testimony of love, how he reaches those that are trying to, to, to literally take his life and, and who have ta- taken the life of his, you know, Zhao Zeng and, and others that he's been around. Yeah, it's not much more that you can say, but thank you for that lesson and that reminder that what Jesus said is true. Amen. Yeah. He shared kind of three things that he felt like I was putting on his heart just to speak to our church. So I want to kind of hit those three and maybe ask you all a question for each. But the first one 
he shared was just that God is bigger than anything and any problem and that Jesus is the answer to all our problems and to keep praising him. And that's not probably the first time that uh, people in the church have heard that, but why, why do y'all think that was so significant, just even hearing that from him? Like what was kind of... Well, for me, it was significant along with several other things that he said because for several days prior to his coming, uh, in my mind, I'm trying to reconcile where he is. He used the term running in his lane. Well, I'm running in a completely different <laughs> lane. And while he's over there in the middle of physical warfare, mm-hmm. um, I'm at home living in a country where 90% of my time now which I have never done before. 90% of my time is spent in my home and my ministry is through Zoom (laughs) or the telephone and uh, my iPhone. It's quite a contrast. (laughs) So, yeah, it's quite a contrast. So I was trying to reconcile this and thinking how powerful a ministry he has. So I'm seeing him at the top of the scale as a warrior for Christ. (laughs) And here I am, you know, I'm as, I am as quiet and peaceful and uh, content, um, enjoying the peace and joy of God like I never have before, enjoying his presence. But I am the exact opposite of where he is. So in my mind, I was trying to reconcile this, and I I had never heard David speak. But I was trying to look forward to what he was going to share, having watched his documentary, seen the history of his ministry. And when he began to speak... There was such a humility and meekness Mm -hmm. that came through in his teaching Mm -hmm. that just flooded my soul because I realized he's running in a different lane, but he's got the same God that I have. I mean, and I knew that. I knew that. But it was like the things that God was speaking to him are the very things that God was speaking to me and... I was blessed because of the reality that I'm right where I'm supposed to be and he's where he's supposed to be and I just need to be content in that. And so I don't have to compare myself to him, Mm -hmm. but I can enjoy the same message that he was speaking without having to go to Iraq or Syria or anywhere else in the world. I just need to enjoy the presence of God wherever I am in the present moment. That's so good. Mm-hmm. And that speaks to how big God is. That's that's yeah. exactly the way I'm looking at it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. to me, that makes, that grows, again, my faith. And I'm sitting there with awe. Wow, God. Wow, God. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Also, this humbles me. Yeah. It did. It did. Yeah. And for a guy that's in the situation that he's in to say, Jesus is the answer to all the problems. Yeah. I mean, 
it, you know, that could be something easy for us to say because our, right. our problems seem less uh, um, um, practically and expediently life or death. Mm-hmm. You know, but he's in a situation like like you're saying about it's a diametrically just totally different. Yeah, uh, and it, he's literally dealing with actual physical life and death. But his response, his boiling it down, is that Jesus is the answer to all of those problems. You know, and I mean, if you know, when when he when someone like that says something like something that we say, something that we agree with, but. When someone with the credibility and the life that he lives says something like that, it, it makes me think much more seriously about that statement. And am I actually living that? And then when you really look at the scripture and look at our day-to-day faith, um, you know, the humbling challenges, do we really believe that Jesus is the answer? Because we sure as heck come up with a bunch of other answers. Yep. I've heard a lot of other answers to fill in the blank problem. I'm not going to go through the list because I don't, I mean, yeah. you know, <laughs> um, you know, whatever the problem is, we've got answers, yeah. but they're not the answer. Jesus is the answer. You know, it, <laughs> reflecting on it right now, it's almost as if God has set him in our universe as a prototype role model that is the extreme end of the spectrum and saying to us, it doesn't matter where you are, what lane you're running in, the attitude of the heart has to be the same mm-hmm. wherever you are, and that's surrender, and that's yeah. where he lives. Mm-hmm. He lives in absolute, total surrender to God. Mm-hmm. And that's, we may be 180 degrees opposite in our physical circumstance, but the surrender is the same yeah. in any lane, in any, any environment, in any life situation. Yeah, yeah, and he says that, uh, going to just even the next uh, point of the three things he shared, he just shared, I wrote it down, but just things like only do what Jesus tells you to do. Only say what he says you just tells you to say, and don't get in anything he doesn't want you to get into. And so, Bob, just to your point, just the way in which he points us to that, and I'm with you. I think the way he strikes this balance of based on where God has him, it's clear he's not coming like to our church saying, hey, y'all all need to join me and right. come out here. Like right. it's no like- No short-term ministry trips to Syria. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah. yeah, and that's the goal. His goal is not for us to all be the next Dave Eubank and what he instead is striking at the same time. It's not, hey, just give me your money and I'll go do this for you. He, he instead right. is instilling in us, hey, Amen. you have a lane, you have a purpose right now. And he wants us. And so whether that's him talking yesterday in the documentary, I just loved how- he was able just to push us so much and point us towards that and recognizing, hey, this isn't just some sort of, you know, freak God guy that we can all just kind of look at, but instead it's like, hey, let's let's model the way that he's following Christ. And yes. so I think that's a great... I love the irony yeah. that we support him as a church. A lot of individuals in our church support him as a missionary. He's a missionary to us. The way that he has lived out his life, he really is a missionary to the American church, to us here. I think of the dichotomy in the Bible between David and Solomon, and David was a man after God's own heart. He was walking closely with the Lord, and David lived for most of his life in times of war. 
he was out there on the battlefield. We know the story of what happens when he wasn't out there with his men on the battlefield and now he got distracted. Well, Solomon was living in a time of peace. He had a bunch of distractions, yeah. a ton. Yeah. He became an intellectual. He was basically the father of biology and you know he was a poet. All of these really high culture stuff Things didn't end up too well for Solomon. <laughs> you know, the book of Ecclesiastes is amazing where he kind of hits home on, hey, the fear of God, the fear, like fear God, period. And he says in Proverbs, fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Well, David feared God because he knew there was no other way that he was going to survive. And I feel like Dave has that heart of David where he is teaching us, I've been out there and I've been running <laughs> literally in, in, in the midst of bullets and war and all this stuff. There's no other way but Jesus. And what does that look like for us today? Well, it's the same. We just have more distractions like Solomon, like, like Solomon was living in. There's other things that we can, you know, well, I want a medal at the end of my race. I want to be called smart. I want to be called doctor. I want to be called, uh, you know, excellent or the best of compared to whatever. But man, the heart of God is for us to pursue and surrender to Jesus and allow him to do whatever he wants with our life, whether that means be the best uh, cashier at HEB here in Wimberley uh, and love the people around you or literally go out and, and give your lives for another nation, the Kurds and, um, you know, the, the, the folks that Dave's able, the Burmese, uh, the folks that Dave, Dave and, and his family are able to reach. So pretty cool. Yeah, we're talking about a guy, Dave, that, you know, <laughs> raised his family in a country that's the longest civil war in the history of the world, mm -hmm. where they have the very real danger of being blown up at any given moment, and goes to an even arguably worse place uh, with his family and his children. And we call, you know, we look at it and just say it's crazy, but all he's doing is... Um, doing what Jesus has told him to do. And when he opens his mouth, he says what Jesus tells him to say. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking about a man who speaks to the U.S. military on his cell phone. And they <laughs> his, pick his, up when he calls. His, uh, what do you call it? His unlocked or his, his un, insecure. His un, insecure, insecure. Un, insecure cell yeah. phone. <laughs> you know, we're talking about a guy that has literally the ear of world leaders mm -hmm. and military leaders um, from more than one nation. Mm -hmm. Uh in, in, including some high-profile leaders in the United States as well. Yeah. And we call him crazy. But to be honest with you, that faith, he might be one of the few that's not crazy. I agree. Uh, and maybe we're crazy. I don't know. <laughs> well, I think but he, he doesn't live in America, in the United States. Yeah. His, his residence is wherever God takes him along with his family. So it's not just David, it's his wife, it's his children. Yeah. And now they're coming back here to Texas A&M. That's why he's here <laughs> yeah. in the area. And they're going to be freshmen at Texas A&M. Yeah. That's a big deal for them. Yeah. Yeah. But they're going to find challenges at Texas A&M that they've never seen over in Burma or Syria or Iraq. Yeah. And, and yet all of their life experiences are such an inspiration to us and to encourage us. But he is, his whole life, his whole family speaks prophetically mm -hmm. to our whole country mm -hmm. right yeah. now. 
and his attitude, what he said about respect and how we need to respect everyone. We may not believe what they say or have the same worldview that they speak, but we need to respect people uh, for who they are and only respond to them if they ask us what we think about it yeah. instead of volunteering our opinion of what they think. Yeah. And, and I thought that was, if there was a message our country needs today, mm-hmm. that is huge for mm-hmm. us living in the United States right now. Yeah. I, I can't help but think, you know, those the, those kids that are coming to go to school here in the, in the U.S., can you imagine just the, you know, these these awesome warriors of God who've, who've grown up, you know, in the face of all of these things, you know, listening to people's what I call Instagram problems, you know what I mean? <laughs> can you imagine that clash? I'd love to be a fly on the wall for those conversations. <laughs> Well, the last of the three points he shared, um, I think is neat because as much as we can talk highly of him, he's not perfect and he would be the first to tell you that. He apologized on the stage. That's right. right. (laughs) But he talks about the idea, the concept of, and from scripture, as far as taking the log out of our own eye uh, and asking God to purify us in the midst of whether it's difficult people or difficult circumstances. So I'd love to kind of get y'all's take on that piece and kind of how that ties into this concept of love and just living life on mission. Well, that was a big thing for me in my, in my life journey following Jesus, you know, cause I, I, I came to faith early in my life and, you know, I, I, I don't have a super cool testimony of running from God and getting like, you know, rescued. I, I, I was able to stick with it because I was gifted with great parents and, you know, all of that sort of stuff, you know. Um, but a piece that I didn't get was a, a, a plank removal is what I've, uh, I didn't, I, I was not proficient in plank removal uh, from my own eye. I mean, literally like a diving board sticking out of my face while, you know, I'm trying to worry about everybody else's, you know, speck of dust, you know. And, uh, so what he said about that it was really, you know, very descriptive, um, you know, for for what I experienced in my personal life of how when you learn to see that plank first, it just, I mean, for me, it shuts me up and makes me step back and listen to God for my for my own rescue, for my own salvation, for my own reconciliation from my sin, and for my own um, stuff. Um, so that I can be healed, which like Dave pointed out about that scripture, it doesn't say you just let everything else go. But when we're healed, when we're reconciled with God, when we've removed the diving board out of our face, then we can see through the lens of that humility and through the lens of the grace of God and through the lens of that healing, the way to help others step on the path to healing. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was, that's just super, that pumped me up again, a reminder, you know, from whence I've come and to continue in the discipline of plank removal. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm reminded of Galatians chapter one, when it, where it says, you know, if anyone, if you see anyone caught in a sin, you who are spiritual restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted and 
uh, carried away with the same situation. And I think it, it ties right in with what Jesus taught. Don't judge. Yeah. You know, Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. The world's already condemned. Exactly. And what the world needs is light, and mm-hmm. we are that light. We were once darkness, but now we are light in the Lord. And that's what I picked up from what David was saying, and that is that we need to focus on allowing Christ to live his life through us, and his life is a life of forgiveness and love and mercy and acceptance of people wherever they are. Yeah, and with his stories about being in these rooms with these generals who are not Christians, this is something he didn't really explain uh, uh, thoroughly, but it's so important for us to recognize he is the only follower of Jesus that these people have actually had conversations with, you know, yeah. and, and so he is showing them the way, the way that he like plank removal because yeah. he is fully surrendered to Jesus and he's read the Beatitudes yeah. and he's, he's, he's living that type of life. He is Jesus for these people. And so they're looking at this crazy person. Oh, you, you're a follower of Isa Allah Messiah and you're forgiving your enemies. And, and, and you're actually apologizing for your sin to me, like in, in, in their culture, I'm, you know, being stereotypical here, but that would be weak. I think that's accurate. You know, most cultures would call forgiveness, would call plank removal weak. Instead, (laughs) oppress those that, you know, who have the specs so that you can impose your authority and your power over them and you can be man. And here Dave is, 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 following the steps of Jesus. So not only does this help us walk our faith, but it helps us be that light that you're talking about. And it helps us be Jesus to people that see Christians and they're like, no, Christians are the biggest hypocrites that I know. Well, if we are actually faithful to the words of Jesus, then people will actually see that humility and and see that uh, sense in us that no, they're, they're the real deal. They're actually practicing what Jesus has preached. And that's challenging. That's hard. That requires my, me to deny myself and recognize that it's, it ain't me, but it's Jesus living in me. That's, mm-hmm. that's allowing me to move forward. That's good. That's really good. Well, I feel like we could keep talking on and on just about both his example in life as well as just what he brings and reminds us about in scripture. But it is a conversations podcast, so we like to talk practical. So I'd love to ask the three of y'all to give me kind of an idea. Maybe it doesn't have to be as specific because it's on the spot. But what is maybe something that you've been convicted of to apply just this week going forward in light of who Dave is as well as just the message that he shared yesterday? Well, I'll start because this did strike me um, first service, but then second service to, to, you know, and that's why I said something about it at the end. But the way he talked about bitterness, anger, and hatred, and uh, he called it an, a supernatural operation that Jesus actually came and, and, and took that away. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that I noticed in, in my heart, given how our culture is so full of, of uh, this sense of, uh, well, there's the spirit of division that is prevalent among us. And uh, before I went up there and, and challenged um, all to you know, undergo that spiritual, uh, supernatural operation, I, I went there myself. And I have felt this 
immense freedom. And I realized what was holding me back was the need to be right, the need to be on, on the right side and, and, and telling others, hey, this is right and that is wrong. You know, when I let that go, I think it's what he was talking about. You're, you're allowing God to be the judge. And now that frees you up to love that person and be okay. If, if you don't, if, if not everything comes out right. And so lots going on in our culture, but I would say that that's the one thing that I left with. Well, I took away from the meeting uh, a piece that helped me overcome the apprehension that I was feeling uh, over the dichotomy of his ministry versus my ministry. And I came away from there realizing that he had a message for every single person mm -hmm. in that audience, regardless of where they were in their walk with the Lord, whatever they heard from where they are in their walk with Jesus would enable them and empower them to take the next step towards the person of Jesus in a deeper and more committed way, more yeah. surrendered than ever. Yeah. Uh, for me, I just have to say it was, it was a reminder and a conviction to me to uh, do what Jesus tells me to do. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we all have our positions and our callings and our talents and whatever that is and wherever we're placed in the world currently, but I'm not here to please anybody other than Jesus. Amen. And, and that doesn't motivate me to, to brazen behavior. That motivates me to the, the humility that it requires to perform plank removal <laughs> and, and, and really go for what, what God has called me to do, what Jesus has told me to do. You know, as, as wonderful as our staff is, as wonderful as our lead pastor is, I'm not here to please Nope. The lead pastor. Please I'm don't. not here to please you know, the pastor of spiritual formation or whatever it is that Taylor does. <laughs> I'm not here to. I'm not not here to, to to please those those functions. I'm here to, to honor Jesus, to speak the truth of Jesus in love, to mm -hmm. to be about the gospel, to be about bringing people from darkness into light. That's what I'm here for. I'm here for the mission of reconciliation through the gospel of Jesus. I'm here to please the Father through the work of the cross and through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That's why I exist as a person. That's why God has, has given me whatever gift I have um, and, and everyone else as well, according to the grace that he's given us, according to the measure of faith that he has instilled in each one of us, that those, those, those gifts are there for us. And that's, that's what I took away is a reminder to do what, what, God has not only told me to do, but has empowered me to do as a person through the personality traits, the talents, the gifts, the, 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 um, the things that I enjoy doing uh, and or the things that I'm called to do, even if I don't particularly enjoy them. <laughs> I hope that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. A bit that's, of a ramble there, sorry. <laughs> no, that's good. I think about, for me, just reflecting on what... Uh, makes me inspiring, what makes Dave inspiring, and then in turn, what makes me and just others. And I think that in a world that, uh, and just whether it's a culture or a generation, I don't know what you call it, but for people like me that 
love to see inspiring people and to follow and imitate inspiring people. I think of like we kind of touched on this idea of running in my lane and the part that's inspiring about Dave is not all the crazy things that he's doing. The inspiring part is he's doing what God's called him to do. And so I think that that's where I got to sit and just even today and this week be like, okay, Lord, what are you calling me to do and how can I live that out? And that is going to inspire people not to be the next me, but to be more like Christ. And so I think that's something that is I'm realizing just as I think more and more about it, that's not just going to happen naturally. Like I've got to actually seek God's uh, wisdom and guidance on that. And just as I am constantly uh, bombarded with other people that seem inspiring, I got to kind of filter and kind of work through that and say, okay, what, what is it about this person and and how can I uh, ultimately do what God wants me to do? Amen. All right. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the Conversations podcast. If you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email us conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Thanks for being here again, everybody. It was awesome. That's it for this version of the podcast. We will see you guys next time.